Thank you, Hunter, worship team. Wow, yeah. Man, it's only 11 o'clock, and it's already been a good day today. Good, good things going on today. Jenny, thank you for that testimony. Appreciate you sharing that very much. And for all of you who have shared testimony so far, it's just always unique how God has different ways of leading us to the same place, to the, to, to the foot of the cross, to realize what he did for us, and that he has done it all. And then that's, the, that's, that's part of why we exist. In fact, that's the main reason we exist as a church, is so that people out there can know the same thing we know, that Jesus has paid the price for our sins, and we can live in relationship with him and be able to be guided by him. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Doesn't mean everything's wonderful all the time. In fact, guests, if you're, if you're a guest here with us today, this is a church that understands messing up. This is a church that understands that we are broken people living in a sinful world, but knowing that Jesus has redeemed us. And so if there's things going wrong in your life right now, man, this is where you belong right here. This is the place because we get it. We really do. Um, and by the way, I guess I'll even say, they'll, they'll mention it later, if you, because um, we've got a lot of guests here today, if you fill out a guest card, we just like to stay in contact. We're not going to spam you. We're not going to put you on a mailing list unless you ask to, okay, if you ask to be on it. But we just like to have a record of your being here with us today and just send you a thank you for, for that. Speaking of spam and, uh, and knowing when we've messed up, though, I have to preface the beginning of this message with an apology to the whole church and especially to those of you watching online right now. Some of you got an email from me yesterday. Some of you may have gotten more than one email from me yesterday. Uh, the email I wanted to pay attention to is that, guys, I need to apologize. I, um, I fell prey Friday to a spam email. Um, someone sent me an email uh, pretending to be our, our main deacon, Red Keller Halls, and um, said, uh, hey, can, I, uh, can you send me the church contact list? And I almost said, you know, no, hold on, let's, let's talk about this. But then I, I was busy doing something else, and other things were waiting. I said, oh, let's just deal with this quick. It's red. If there's anybody in the church we can trust, it's red. Keller Hall's right there. That everybody knows that red's everybody's best friend here. And so I sent this person the contact list and then realized on Saturday I looked at the email, and it was not from red. It was from a spammer so your email addresses are out there for many of you not everybody in the church but for many of you and I've sent you an email if it was so if you get an email that says it's from me uh, two things first check the check the source it's from and make sure it says well I'm not gonna since we're gonna be online on YouTube I'm not gonna say it out loud but talk to me later if you didn't get the email I'll tell you there's only two emails I send send messages to you from so if it's not from one of those two emails and if you didn't get the email ask me later I'll give them to you um, or, uh, and I reason I'm not saying it out loud is this will be on YouTube eventually, and there are people out there that have tools to spoof email addresses, so we're not going to do that. But second is, if I'm ever asking you for a gift card, that is not me, okay? That is not, no pastor would ever ask a member of his church to go out and get a $500 gift card and send me a picture of it, okay? If you did that, let's talk, all right? So, um, but just want to make sure of that. But the main thing, two things, to warn you that that happened, and the second, to apologize, I was not as vigilant as I should. Your church, we take your information as a sacred trust, and I violated it. Even though it was my accident, it was still egregious. And I do apologize to that, okay? It will mean that some of you will get more spam email. Now, I know some of you, they're like, I already get like 500 spam emails a day, 506 isn't going to matter any. But still, 
I should not have done that, and I deeply apologize, and I will be more careful. First time in my life, to my knowledge, I've ever let that happen, but it was with your emails, and I apologize to that. So I do want you to know that, and if it's caused you a problem, please let's talk later. All right, having said that, I know I didn't want to change the tone here, but I knew I needed to say that because I don't want anybody falling prey to anything like that, and, um, and I do need to apologize to you. But today we're going to get back into a book of Acts. And so, guess again, we've been going off and on through the book of Acts here. The book of Acts is a story of what the Holy Spirit has done through the church after Jesus died on the cross for us, was resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. And it's about how the message of the, of the good news of Jesus spread throughout the whole world. And so here's where we are at this point. Well, let's just, let me, let me introduce it first. Uh, some of you who've been a Christian as long as I have, you may have had this before. Have any of you ever had somebody come up to you and say, the Lord told me to tell you this? Has anybody ever had that happen? I've had it, and sometimes I don't know what to do about that, okay? In fact, I had a friend back in my single days, I had another single friend who said he knew a girl who came up to him one time and told me, the Lord told me to tell you that we're going to get married, and he just said, he said, my own response was, well, the Lord hasn't told me that, and he has my number. So, uh, so what do you do when two people who say they follow Jesus disagree on something? If somebody said, the Lord told me to do this, all right? So um, uh, just pick, Joel, if you, know, if you said to your wife, the Lord told me we're going to sell our house and we're going to move into a mobile home, you know? She might have a disagreement with you on that, and as you pray about it, that kind of thing. So how do you deal with that? Well, the situation we're going to look at today is something very similar to that. And it's really timely for us because we're in the process of looking for a new pastor. And it's always possible that during that time, there's going to be some, some disagreements in how we feel like the Lord is leading us. And it does happen. The, the, by the way, this pastor search team that you've put together, one of the things they're doing is working through some of these difficult issues right now so that so that we can kind of solve those before it comes to the whole church but i've been in uh worked with pastors that have said that they've had a, a pulpit committee a pastor search team call them up and say the lord has told us that you're the person god's form and god, god hasn't told them that you know how how do you deal with that so that's what we're going to look at today and so we're going to pick up let's just look at the passage first then we'll get, kind of give the background of it so it's acts chapter 15 it's the very end of 15 and uh, just to set the stage, um, Paul and Barnabas have gone to Jerusalem, to this Jerusalem council. They're back in Antioch, which is the missional church. It's like to become the main church of the book of Acts at this point. So picking up in Acts chapter 15, starting with verse 36, and we'll go through verse 41. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we've preached the word to, of the Lord and see how they're doing. So Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was also called, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted they should not take along this man who deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the, to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. And Barnabas took Mark and, and, uh, with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's pray. Father, we truly need your help in areas like this. Because, Father, sometimes the way doesn't seem clear to us. Sometimes it just looks like we, we get differing opinions or whatever. And, Father, we know it's because our human understanding is so limited. But, Father, we know that you see all sides. 
You see all possibilities. You know the future, and you also know what we need. And because you're a gracious and loving Father, we know that you will provide what we need, even when we don't recognize it. So, Father, we ask today for your guidance as we look into your word. Help us to know how to navigate when the way isn't clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, previously on the book of Acts, as I said, Paul and Barnabas have returned to Antioch. And remember, Antioch is the place that had just sent out the first missionary journey. It's just a chapter before this. They go on this missionary journey, and it's mainly to what we consider Turkey now. Okay, but they went there, and they, and they, they started all these new churches. And it forced them to have this council where they talked about, what do we do about these non-Jewish Christian churches that have, you know, do we make them follow the Jewish law? Do we, how do we get along with them? And remember, they told them there were four things they wanted them to do, other than the basic moral stuff. They said, hey, if you'll just stay sexually pure, we think that's really important, that that will take you further away from God faster than anything. Second, they said, don't eat anything strangled, don't eat the blood of an animal, and don't eat anything sacrificed to an idol. Now, we don't have to worry about those as much today, but back in that day, they said, if you'll do these three things related to some of the Jewish laws, it won't freak out the Jewish Christians as much, and we'll get along together, okay? So... So, so that was it. The main one that applies to us today is that sexual purity one. But, but anyway, that's what they've done. So now we're back in Antioch. And it says, after some days, and that's a favorite phrase of, of Luke as he wrote the book of Acts. He says, after some days, it, it happened. Now, we don't know whether it was just a few days later or if it had been many months later. And some people try to figure that out, the timing on it. I have this opinion on it. If it had been important to know how, many, how much later it was, the Holy Spirit would have told Luke to be more specific. So it just says sometime later, all right, they went on and they, and they wanted to do this next missionary trip. They wanted to go back and visit the other cities where they had planted churches to see how they were doing. But that's when they ran into a problem. So let's talk about what I'm calling the situation. So we're going to look at three things about the situation. All right, That's a nice way of putting it, okay? We don't have fights. We just have situations, all right? So we can put it that way. So the first thing is we're going to look at the subject of the situation. And I'll admit, okay, it's a little bit cheesy, I know. I've been preaching for a long time. I just love alliteration. For, if I can get the I'll start with the same letter, I feel like the Holy Spirit's in it, okay? So it may, if this sounds weird, just, it, it's, my, it's my quirk, okay? It's the only one I have, as you guys have learned. I have no other quirks than that, okay? So, yeah, you guys laugh at that one, don't you? All right, so what's the subject of the situation? Well, the subject of the situation is who would be on the team with them. Barnabas wanted to bring Mark. Now, on the first trip, they had taken Mark with them, and they went to, uh, and he went all throughout the, 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 the island of Cyprus, and Mark stayed with him. Now, Mark might have known Cyprus a little bit. It might have been comfortable to him, but then they crossed over, and they went into that area called Pamphylia, which is southern Turkey. And it was a swampy kind of area. Think about like being like southern Florida, okay? Maybe sort of like that. And, it's, and the Bible tells us that Mark went back home. He just said, I don't, I don't know. Again, it doesn't say why Mark went home. And again, I think if it had been important to know, the Holy Spirit would have told Luke to be more specific. We just know that Mark left them and went back home, and it ticked Paul off. In fact, you can see it in Acts 13, 3 here. It says, now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos, came to Perga and Pamphylia, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. That's all it says. We don't know why, but it made Paul mad. He's like, right, we're investing in this guy, and he just bailed on us. I can't believe that happened. So in short, they came up with a big disagreement over this leadership. You know, and I, I guess it's understandable to have a fight over leadership. It, it, you know, it happens. We are human. 
okay? You would like to think that Christian people, people that are, that are part of a church, have gotten past that and we don't ever fight over anything, right? Now, by the way, and again, for guests, I want to tell you, we're not preaching this because our church has had fights. I, I have been remarkably not seen fights here at this church, okay? And, and I hope I'm, and again, because I'm a Christian and don't believe in, in, in magic or voodoo stuff, I don't think I'm jinxing anything to say that, but I'm not seeing fights. But I've been in churches where I've been called to moderate a business meeting and seen one grown man slap another full in the face during the, during the middle of a business meeting. Fortunately, a lot of the other men in the church calmed those two down really quickly. But I've seen, you know, Christians, we're still human. But um, a friend, an acquaintance of mine in, in the consulting ministry that I do named, named um, uh, Tom Rainer. Some of you may remember him. He wrote that book that some of us read called I Am a Church Member. Well, he does a lot of consulting, too, and he gathered some of the weirdest reasons he's seen for church fights. I want to share a few of them with you because I know that you will remember this more if I share this with you, okay? So here's my top ten list of, out of Tom Rainer's list of things that people have fought over. Okay, first, the length of the worship pastor's beard. All right, do we have slide up there? There we go. Now, that is not Hunter. I didn't want to show Hunter there, but... Hunter, Hunter, you're safe, okay, because your beard is shorter than your hair, so I guess your beard is safe, all right? But so I've seen churches, I've heard of churches fighting over that. So second, how to, which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer? Now, I started to put a picture with this, but I thought no matter which picture I put, somebody's going to get upset about it, so I didn't do it. But can you imagine fighting over, look, it's, it's not like they're saying, well, this is the picture I took of Jesus. There's no photographs of Jesus anywhere. Somebody's painting, but this church fought over which picture to put in the foyer. All right, number three. On the discovery that the church budget was off by 10 cents. They were having a budget meeting and they fought for two hours over this till finally somebody pulled a dime out of their pocket and said, there, it's balanced now. That's what finally solved the budget problem. How about this one? Over whether the church should purchase a weed eater or not. This one took two business meetings to resolve at this particular church. So, I, no, you guys are not thinking any of these are funny, do you? Maybe some of you dealt with these. All right, we'll go quicker this one. All right, this one I think is serious, though. This one, the type, of, over, the type of coffee to serve at church. All right, church coffee is notoriously bad, usually. Our, fortunately, we have a Keurig, okay? So thank you, Destiny, for running our, our coffee shop. And then we have a Keurig, so you can get whatever you need there. But there were people, actually, there are people that left the church over what brand of coffee that they served at the church. All right, six, whether to allow deviled eggs at a church, church picnic, church meal. Somebody thought because it was called deviled eggs that that was going to be wrong. Oh, it gets worse. Another church fought over whether to use the term potluck or pot blessing. I can't, just, they said, you know, I don't want to believe in luck, so it's ca called a pot blessing. Oh, man. And Christians are like the only ones that use the term potluck anyway. I mean, you've ever had a, you know, you just don't hear it in other places, but... All right, this one, I think it's even worse. Whether to allow people to wear black t-shirts to church since black is the color of the devil. So churches that fought over that, all right? So let me see, is anybody here in trouble today at that church? All right, sorry, all right. That's not our church, so don't worry about it, okay? And I started not to include this one. There was a, another one that said, a church that fought over whether to, whether to use grape juice or cran grape juice in their communion. And I started out to include that, but then I saw this in our church kitchen. So apparently Hunter does use cran grape when he, when he does that, okay? We're not fighting over it. You're fine, Rachel. We're not going to, okay, we're not, not going to get rid of Hunter over that. So there's that, that one. I can't promise anything else, but that one thing. So, all right, but churches fight over things all the time. 
And people can get worked up over the simplest thing. Now, these are all silly. These are just, I, I'm telling you, I would have just wanted to just spank these churches if I could have. They weren't churches I was working with. But I want you to say that these arguments are serious to cause problems, but in the nine months that I've been with you guys, I have seen our church disagree on some things, but it's always been resolved in a way that was appropriately dressed, uh, addressed and kept it simple. And so I want to thank you, church, for that, that we have not made minor issues become major issues. Yes, we've disagreed on some things. There are some things we don't like. You know what, and I know that, let's just take an easy one, I'm not picking on Hunter again here, just music is an easy one, that nobody likes every song that's sung. But I have never heard anybody in this church going, oh, I can't believe we sang that song again. That's just, you know, no, it hasn't been that way. And I thank you guys for that, that we have kept this to be a very simple kind of thing, that our church handles differences appropriately, and I appreciate that. Yep. And, and trust me, I've seen churches, in fact, okay, I'll tell you one more. This one I do know true. In Texas, I don't remember what town it is in Texas, but that's where I went to college, and so I remember learning this. Some town in Texas, I'd need to look it up where it is, but you can find Harmony Baptist Church. And many, many years ago, Harmony Baptist Church had a split over which side of the stage to put the piano on. And if you go five miles down the road, you'll find New Harmony Baptist Church. It was the split off of that church. So that nobody gets the irony of harmony and new harmony, but they split over that. So I'm just saying churches can do weird things like that all the time. So what, how do we handle it? Well, let's look at how Paul and Barnabas handled it. First, I want you to look at the severity of the situation. This is our second point here. It says verse 39 says that it turned into such a sharp disagreement that they split over it. And the word sharp there, the, I, I don't usually like to use a lot of the Greek words in here, but I want you to help you understand the word sharp disagreement is the same word for like a knife that cuts something. It, came, it was such a cutting disagreement that it was so painful that they separated in two, and that's also the word for cutting. It was such a, a cutting disagreement that they cut in two and they split over it. In fact, um, there's a Greek professor named, um, i just tell you his name, A.T. Robertson, who wrote a lot of Greek study on this. And uh, he says, he translates it this way, that's even a little more, more closer to the Greek. He says, it reads like this in the Greek, Paul kept on deeming it not wise to take along with them this one. And you can almost imagine Paul arguing with Barnabas going, I do not think it wise to take this man with us. And that was, I mean, that was probably pretty rough. We always think Paul had everything together, but we know Paul had a temper. Paul had, Paul had issues he dealt with. There were things that God saved Paul from. And um, we don't know if Mark was there in the discussions, but I can imagine Paul, even if Mark was there, going, I'm not taking that man. We're not doing it. And to make this even worse, Mark, that they were talking about, was Barnabas's cousin. So they were talking about, he was looking at Barnabas and going, I'm not taking your cousin. I don't trust him. He left us. He'll abandon us again. He's not worth investing in. And they split over it. How hard would this, would this have been for Barnabas? Because if you remember Barnabas, we've seen him in some other passages in Acts. Barnabas's name, his name wasn't Barnabas actually. His name was, uh, let me get it right. It, it was just, it was, uh, was it Justice? I didn't, write, I didn't write it here. I can't remember now. Does anybody remember what his name was? 
No, the, the Barnabas's name was, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember now, I'm so embarrassed. It's in, it, you can find it like Acts chapter 4, it mentions his name. But Barnabas had a different, different given name, Barnabas was his nickname. So he was, he was the original Barney. And Barnabas is a Greek word that means, or Hebrew word means, Barnabas means son of encouragement. And so Barnabas was known as the encourager. And so that was his nickname. He was just known for being encouraging. So they gave him the nickname, the son of encouragement. And so here he is trying to encourage Mark, and Paul is just tearing him down. Now, I don't know which one's right here at this point. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, um, but just saying, people fight over things like this, and it gets serious so often. I did work with a church one time as a consultant, and a lady came in. I wasn't doing this interview, but one of my coworkers was. And she came into an interview that we did, trembling, and she had a hymnal in her hand, hymnals, books of hymns, stuff. And so churches fought over that for a while, and she slammed the hymnal down on the table and said, you're not taking my hymns away. Because that was something she was going to fight over with that. I've just seen those kinds of things happen. In fact, okay, I know I'm being a little silly here, but uh, I read a story that said many years ago, researchers discovered a guy who had been stranded on a deserted island. And he'd been there for like a decade. And when they rescued him, they found the guy had managed to survive quite well. He was a little emaciated, a little bit thinner and stuff, but he had survived really well. And he had actually built three really nice serviceable huts during the time he was there. And so when they were rescuing him, they asked him, said, well, what are these three huts? Why did you build three huts? And he goes, well, that's the one I live in. They said, okay, but what's this? He goes, that's where I go to church. They said, okay, well, what's this? And he goes, well, that's where I used to go to church. Okay, so... <laughs> Apparently, he had a split even there with just one person in the church. Some of you took a little longer with that. Okay, I know that was a ridiculous, made-up story. But it isn't far off how things do get out of control sometimes. And I do tell some stories like that because that is what you'll remember. You won't remember basically the argument of Paul and Barnabas, but you remember that story like, oh, yeah, that, that can have splits, all right? So the truth is that's simply something we cannot afford to let happen as we move into God's preferred future for us. When things haven't gone the way I thought they should at a church, I had to consider whether to make a big deal about it. And most of the time, it's not worth making a big deal. Those things don't usually need more time and attention. Did you have to decide what is the ground on which we will choose to die? What is worth fighting for here? And there are very few things worth fighting for. You know, basically, like we talked about last week, that we have certain truths we will fight for our belief that Jesus died on the cross for us. That's only through Jesus. We'll fight for our belief in the Bible being God's word to give us guidance and instruction. We'll fight for our belief that the Holy Spirit is active in the lives of people. Today, when people disagree with that, that may be worth something of splitting ways on. But other than that style of music or whether we had pews or chairs, we've always, just always had chairs here, whether we... Um, whether we have just a guitar or whether we have just piano or a pipe organ or whatever, those are not things worth fighting over at all. That those are just preferences and, and things that, that we sometimes just need to let go of. But it didn't happen with Paul and Barnabas. And so we get to a situation where we've got two godly leaders. And so this is where we get to the crux of it. What do you do when you get two godly leaders who feel led in different directions? How do you handle it? Well, there's a couple ways to do it. I'm just going to talk about the way they handled it here. This time, they, it says they finally did. They split into two teams. And they wound up doing, to going on two different missions together. Now, we don't know if it was an amicable split or not. 
The Bible kind of leads it to be maybe it wasn't, but we don't know. Maybe they did resolve at that point, but just agreed we need to be different on this. So what happened is Barnabas took Mark with him, and they headed back to Cyprus and followed the same route, visiting the churches they were going to visit. We didn't put the map up here, but if you kind of think of it, if I can kind of draw it here, this is Turkey here. They went through Cyprus and then the southern Turkey like the first one did. But Paul went and got this guy Silas. And they went around the back way, around back towards Paul's hometown of Tarsus, and back up over the mountains and went into Turkey from the east rather than from the south. So they wound up having two teams. So there was two missionary journeys in that first and that second missionary journey that they had. Now, it also got this guy Silas involved. We met him in the last passage because he had been a part of the Jerusalem church. And he was a representative from the mother church in Jerusalem. And the church had sent him to Antioch to deliver the message of the council. And so Silas was a really good choice because like Paul, he was a Roman citizen. That gave them a lot of freedom to travel throughout the Roman, throughout the Roman world. It gave them a lot of protection. And so Paul and Silas went around and, and did the mercenary journey at that point. So there was a positive outcome to the situation. They managed to figure it out in a way that didn't split their church, but it doubled their ministry. And that's what we need to look at at times. What are the ways out of here that we can do that has a positive outcome to it? That a way that would make it, that would make it so that we're, we're, ex- we're expressing more ways of ministry, more ways of doing what God has told us to do, rather than just limiting it. And that's, I think, where the Holy Spirit comes and plays in our life, to help us figure these things out. Now, if disagreements get out of hand, they can't have a negative consequence. And I believe there was a negative consequence for Paul and Barnabas both. I think they had to feel a sense of loss. Uh, you got to think about um, Paul and Barnabas. Think about Paul. Paul was abandoning the man who had actually defended him many times. Back in the book of Acts, and again, you may not remember we talked about it earlier in the passage, but when, when Paul first became a Christian, Barnabas was the one who defended him, saying, even though this guy used to persecute Christians, I believe God has done a work in his life now, and we should listen to him. When Paul, when the Antioch church began to grow and they needed a leader, Barnabas is the one who said, I'm going to go up to Tarsus and get Paul again. I think he'd be a great leader for this church. And so Barnabas had been the one that had helped Paul along the way. And so Barnab- Paul was letting go of his mentor at that point, saying, I'm not going to walk in this journey with him. And it had to be painful for him. And Barnabas, on the other hand, had somebody he had invested in greatly, and now he's saying, I can't invest in him anymore, at least right now. And Barnabas probably knew he was leaving one of the greatest minds, or probably the greatest mind the early church had, had seen and would see. And so it had to be difficult for them. It had to be painful. Again, Paul had to know that without Barnabas, Paul wouldn't have this ministry at all. Now, truth is that Luke doesn't give us a clue who was right or wrong in this situation. Maybe they were both right. Maybe they're both wrong. I don't know. Again, if it were important for us to know who was right or wrong, the Holy Spirit would have told us, I think. We tend to think Paul was the one who was right because that's when the gospel, as we look further in the book of Acts, it just follows Paul. It doesn't follow Barnabas. Well, there's a reason for that. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks when we get into Acts chapter 16 that it was on this journey after they separated that Paul ran into a guy named Luke who wound up writing the book of Acts. So he's writing it from Paul's standpoint. So that's why Paul, the book of Acts follows Paul is because Luke was with Paul and not with Barnabas at that time. So 
it's easy to think that, yeah, maybe Paul was in the right. But we don't know. But we do know this. They didn't stay separated. I want you to look at what uh, first, uh, well, yeah, I have it up there. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 6 says, okay? This is Paul uh, writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, do only Barnabas and I have no right to refrain from working. He referred to Barnabas as his partner there, and there are other places there, but that's just an example that this is years later that Paul still refers to Barnabas as a partner in ministry and as a leader of the early church. So Paul still had respect for Barnabas, even though they separated and he still lifted up Barnabas's ministry as something important. But it gets even better than that. Okay, now who was it that Paul was mad at? It was Mark. It was Mark, this guy Mark, the, the, the young kid who abandoned him. Okay, let's see what Paul had to say later about Mark. Here's three verses right here where Paul mentions Mark. In, in Colossians 4.10, he talks about this guy, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings. Also, Barnabas's cousin, Mark about whom he receives instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. He's saying, hey, this guy Mark, he's with me now, and I'm about to send him to you. I trust him so much, I'm about to send you to, him to you as my representative. In Philemon, chapter, uh, verses 23 and 24, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you, as do Mark and Aristarchus and Lemus and, and my fellow workers, all right? And then I love this one, 2 Timothy 4.11. He's talking to Timothy, he says, only Luke is with me, but take along Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Even after they had this serious breakdown that caused them to split into two teams, they still believed in each other, and they still lifted each other up, and they still helped each other's ministry. And it turned around that this young man that Paul just was like, not that guy right there. Now he's saying, yeah, that guy right there, bring him. I need him. He's useful to me for the ministry. That's how Christians deal with this. That's how Christians really wind up saying, hey, we had an argument. We couldn't figure out the agreement on this. We, didn't, we couldn't come to an agreement. We had to sort of agree to disagree. And it caused us to expand ministries in different directions, but we still have our love for each other. We still have our trust in each other. We're still going to work together as God allows us. We're still going to do the mission together God has called us to do. You know, now, again, we could, be, we could be tempted right now to just really side with Paul on this. But I want to remember, even Paul, that we don't hear a lot of bad stuff about, Paul had his failures. What did Paul do before becoming a Christian? He persecuted Christians, drugged them out, and had them killed. Paul was involved in the, 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 the death of the first, the first martyr, the first person to give their life for Jesus was, Timothy, was uh, Stephen, and Paul was a part of that. So before following Jesus, he had a bunch of mistakes. But even after following Jesus, he had problems. In Damascus, he upset the people so bad that he had escaped by night to avoid being killed. And in Jerusalem, they, even later in his ministry, they were trying to put him to death over and over again because he could be just a firebrand sometimes. But what I want you to get out of this mainly is that Christians who, who, who love Jesus can disagree over things. And again, I'm not saying this because we had disagreements, okay? Please, if you're watching online or whatever, this is just where we are in Acts right now. This Acts chapter 16 happens to talk about resolving disagreements. But I want to kind of do one final illustration before we get to our, to our closing about how people who love Jesus can be different. It has to do with how God's designed us. 
Now, I happen to be what's called a practitioner of Myers-Briggs. I'm certified Myers-Briggs. Anybody ever taken a Myers-Briggs type inventory? Okay, that's where you get those four letters. You know, you get that, you know, some people are an ESPN and some are EIEIO or something like that. Um, there's all sorts of different things they can be. But there's, there's one thing called, where you, called a, a T and an F. If you decide things based on, on facts and, and, and thoughts or you define it on feelings and emotions. And I'm going to help you kind of dissolve that right now. So put up this next picture real quick. Okay, I want you to imagine for a moment that you are coaching a kid's soccer team. You're, the, you're a soccer coach, okay? Has anybody here been a soccer coach? No, okay, John, you have, all right, so you'll get this, so Karen, you'll get this too. But, but if you've been a soccer coach, but you haven't, just try your best to imagine. So you're, you're, you're taking this team, you've got this team, and you get a chance to take them on to a tournament somewhere. It's an appropriate tournament at their age. Maybe they're this young, maybe they're a little older, whatever you want to put in your mind, okay? So as you're getting ready to take them, you discover that to go on this road trip for this tournament, you can only take half your squad with you, only half the team. So how do you choose which students to take? So I want you to think about this for a moment. Okay, I know it doesn't sound very spiritual, but it helps us understand how God's designed people differently. Okay, so as you're doing it, would your tendency be to take the best kids so you can win the tournament or do the very best in the tournament so that you can bring honor to your, to your team and all that kind of stuff? Would you tend to do that? Check, take the kids that are going to do the best to win. Or do you take the students that it's going to mean the most to and are going to improve the most by it? Which one do you do? Think about that for a moment. Do you take the kids that are going to play the best or do you take the bid, kids, that it's going to help the most? All right? Okay, let's just find out real quick. If we want to be bold. How many would take the kids that would win? All right, of course. Who's <laughs> all right? All right? So, so, all right. How many would take the kids that, would, that it would mean the most to? All right. Uh, not, not as many of those as there were, okay? And oddly, un, un, you know, not surprisingly, it's more guys that would go like, yeah, take those that win. That's the way to go. And it's sometimes, but it's not always that way. And then the rest of you didn't raise your hand either. I don't like soccer or I don't like you or I'm, an, I'm asleep, okay? I don't know which one it is. But, but you can see how people, godly Christians can be divided on that. Which is the right answer? Well, the truth is there's no right answer on that. Both of those have valid th- reasons to do that. And so God has designed people differently. So sometimes we're going to disagree. So what do we do about it? So let's, let's come up to, is a wrap up? This is, this is the end here. Um, I borrowed some of these from Charles Swindoll. I don't know if you like him or not, but I love what he said here, so I'm going to use him, okay? So here's what I want to encourage you to do, all right? When you're involved in a dispute, pray for the ability to see both sides rather than just your own. That's the first thing. Pray to see the other side. The Bible has a lot of verses to talk about that. The book of Philippians talks about do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And it talks about having humility of mind. Uh, in the Psalms, it talks about the person who, who, who only, uh, who separates himself and says, I'm right and everybody else is wrong, who, who only seeks to express what he believes and not to hear the wisdom of others, that person is a fool. So, hearing the other side and understanding where other people are coming from. So pray for the ability to do that. God's able to do that. Pray that we'll be able to do it. So at least understand. Doesn't mean you're going to agree with them, but at least understand where they're coming from. By the way, 
right now. I know that there's nobody in our state assembly or senate or congress who's going to be listening to this, but in case you are, learn that. Learn to hear the other side, I'm telling you right now, okay? You would be so much a favor to all of us who just learned to do that just once in a while, okay? So anyway, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, that applies to all of them, all right? Second, when both sides have reasonable support, particularly biblically, then seek a wise compromise. Seek a wise compromise. If somebody's support is also has some biblical support to it, then try to find a wise compromise to them. Now, if they can't support it biblically, if there's nothing in God's word that supports their position, you can say, no, I can't go for that. I get that. But if both have some kind of biblical support, seek a wise compromise. Third, stay with it. Don't do the four F's. Okay, here are the four F's right here, okay? You can fight. You've heard fight or flight, but there's actually four of them. You can fight, all right? And that's easy for some of us to do, saying, I'm right, you're wrong, and this is the ground on which I choose to die, and it's all, it's just not there. Second is freeze. Just say, I'm not going to do anything about it. That tends to be mine a lot of times, to freeze, to go like, I don't know what to do. I won't make a decision, and that's wrong too. Or to flee from it, to just walk away and say, I'm just not going to deal with it. And people have left churches because they couldn't deal with a disagreement. Or the last one there is fawn, where you just say like, okay, I'm just going to give in, whatever you say, it's all right. I just won't do anything at all. I'll just, you have your way, okay? But your, your voice is important. You're free to express that in love to each other. And then the final thing I want you to do is, I said, stay with it, is then do this F, is to fix it. Okay, fix it. And there's two R's with that. Resolve the difference and repair the relationship. That's what we want to do. Resolve the, 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 fix the situation by resolving the situation and repairing the relationship. Here's the truth. Anytime God moves the church forward, we're going to run into obstacles. That's the way it goes. How many potholes does your car hit while it's parked in the driveway? None. It's only when you get moving down the road that you run into obstacles. How many things do you have to dodge? How many other cars do you have to miss when you're parked in your driveway? None. But when a church is moving forward the way God wants us to go, that's when we start having to make decisions on what turns to make and how fast to move and those kinds of things like that. And as we continue to move forward, as we're looking for new pastors, we're expanding ministries. Even the thing of getting more people up here for testimonies getting more people on stage uh, for, for musically and that kind of thing. And Hunter, you're doing a great job with that, and I appreciate it. That that's going to bring more things. They're going to happen. You're going to hear people give testimonies. that That's not been my experience, but maybe it's been theirs. And recognize how, how wide and broad God's way of leading people to Jesus might be. Now here again, I say leading people to Jesus. It's not that all religions lead to one place. I would never say that. That is not true. But God has many ways of leading people to Jesus. And that is our destination that we're going for, leading us to the cross where Jesus died for us. So that's the commitment I want you to make, that I'm going to stick with it, that I'm going to be willing to, to express my opinions, but I'm going to be willing to see the other side. And like Paul and Barnabas, even when we can't resolve, we're going to find ways to work together to expand the ministry rather than to, than to diminish it. And I want to close with this one last thing too. The way that we're able as, as believers to do that is because of Jesus. It's only of Jesus working in our lives through the Holy Spirit. When we become followers of him and we accept that Jesus died for us on the cross, and when we say, 
I yield my life to you. I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I've messed it up. And Father, I accept the death of your son Jesus as, my, as the payment for my sins. And I accept your Holy Spirit to guide me. That's the way we can do it. If you've never done that before after our service, if you want to talk to me or Hunter or one of our other leaders, we would love to help you understand how you can have Jesus in your life also like we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the patience of the church as we talk about these, these issues of, of disagreements and things. Father.